The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. I'm doing the reading this morning, so I'll do that in a second. Um, let me say that. It's, um, it's a joy to be here. I, I served for many years in Burlington as a pastor, so over the years I've gotten to know a number of members of this church and have walked together through, through some things, so it's just really wonderful to kind of join you. Jillian and I work together, so fun to do the service together, and I've gotten to know Pastor Hayden a little bit over the years too, and so we planned the service a long time ago, and he said, um, Kev, if you can come and do the service, two things though, he said, um, we love it when denominational people come to our service. We don't love it when they go on and on and on about their ministries. So, uh, you know, keep that a little chill. And then um, he, he also said that uh, we're starting, it's Lent, and so I'm starting a new series. So prefer if you didn't bring your own kind of thing that you kind of preach around everywhere, if you could kind of fit into our, you know, our plan and bring a message. Here, here's, the, here's the theme. So all of that. And then he told me he wasn't going to be here. So my message this morning is why I love Resonate Global Mission. And you should too. And uh, so we're going to, we'll spend some time on that together. No, um, I, I've had a crazy little season, actually, of my life. Jillian shared um, one of the changes that's happened. So uh, I've been through an intensive uh, nomination process, interviews, and so... Um, without looking for it, and I'll talk about that in a moment, I find myself in a position where I'll be presented to Synod in June as the new director for Resonate. Uh, so it's just been a crazy journey. I also just came back from El Salvador, and so had a, an amazing opportunity to see the work that's happening there. And uh, El Salvador is a difficult, difficult place, and has continues to be politically a very difficult place. And so to be immersed for a week in that situation has been really, really profound. Um, so n normally I do bring a message that I've, you know, I've preached seven or eight times somewhere else and it's well done. This, this morning what I'm going to speak to you about came to me and was shaped uh, in the middle of night in San Salvador when I couldn't sleep. <laughs> and so it may or may not make sense, but I hope God works through it and God invites us really to an opportunity to turn to him. Um, I do work with Resonate, and um, one of the gifts I get to ha have is really to go to churches like yours and to say, uh, God has our denomination doing some amazing work around the world, and you're part of it. And so I want to say thank you for your partnership and your participation in God's mission and ministry but also for the ways that you embody that here in the city of Hamilton and in your own neighborhood. And it's a real privilege that we get to work together. For all the struggles and conversations that are difficult in our denomination, the Holy Spirit is working in powerful, powerful ways. And I, and I hope we don't lose sight of that, that God continues to call us into his mission together. And that we get to do that together is, is a real honor. So the series uh, in this season of Lent uh, that you're launching in and I get to launch you into 
is uh, really a journey around uh, what it means to be fully human and fully alive, to live fully into uh, our walk with God, our faith uh, that we have in Jesus Christ. And so on this first Sunday of Lent, uh, we're going to spend some time thinking about that, and then we'll have the opportunity to respond by coming to the Lord's table and partaking in Holy Communion. And as Pastor Hayden was sharing with me kind of the theme that he hoped would launch this, which was this idea of faith, um, I went back to a passage that is deeply meaningful to me. In fact, I've, I've memorized it a long time ago, and it, it really does shape my life, and that's Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 8 through 12. If you have a Bible nearby or have it on your phone, I invite you to uh, look at it with me. And it, and it says this, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as, an, as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Um, by faith, he made his home in the. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, living like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he believed, or he understood, that he would receive a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah, though she was unable to bear children or could not have children, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I want to talk about faith this morning and what it is. And Hebrews 11, of course, is the great chapter on faith. And it talks about faith, gives a definition right in the very beginning that um, faith is kind of counting on what it is hoped for or what we cannot see and, you know, leaning in on what we cannot see. And then it tells all these stories that illustrate this profound sense of what faith is. And we get all the heroes of faith as we talk about them. And one of the greatest heroes of faith, of course, is Abraham. And uh, here we get in these verses the call of Abraham. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, one of the foundational passages of the Old Testament where God says to Abraham, I want you to go and follow me. And what we learn in, in Hebrews 11 through all these different stories is that we can have this idea of faith, but like a diamond, there's all these different facets to it, all these different ways of considering what faith is and how it lives itself in people's lives and in our own lives. And what we see in the way that it holds before us Abraham is, is this idea that really faith is this decision to say yes to God. One of, the, one of the angles of faith is this decision to say yes to God, even without the facts, not having all the information. I mean, imagine if you were, um, if you were in Abraham's shoes, if God came to you, if out of the blue, whether it was a dream or some kind of vision or somebody 
with a lot of wisdom came to you that you just knew that this was the voice of God where one way or another God came to you and you knew it was God and he said to you, I need you to pick up and move. Get your stuff together. And you're like, okay, but where are we going, God? And he's like, I'll tell you later. Imagine then going and explaining this to your spouse or to your kids or to your best friends. I mean, and they'd be like, well, who talked to you? And you're like, well, it was a voice. <laughs> I'm not sure who it was. And Abraham didn't know God at this point. A voice came, and, and I, but I just know this is what I have to. Your, your family, your friends would think you were crazy. They'd do their best to talk you out of it. And, and yet this is how God calls Abraham in his life, exactly this way. And if you know the story of Abraham, you know that it's an, it's an admirable story, but it's not a perfect story. Abraham makes mistakes along the way. Some of them are really big mistakes, but he becomes a model or what we would say a paradigm of how God works <clears throat> all through the, the biblical story. Later on, God would call Moses out of a burning bush and say, I want you to go lead my people out of slavery into freedom. He would pull a young boy, David, out of the field and say, you are going to be the king of Israel and lead Israel to glory. He'll come to a woman like Esther and say, you are the one who's going to save your people, that you've been chosen for such a time as this. All the way through, God chooses judges and prophets and leaders and raises up unexpected people and invites them to follow without having all the information in terms of what they're following God into. And it's all these acts of obedience, all these calls of God and then the response of yes that moves the story of the Old Testament forward. And then we get the story of a young girl who receives an angelic visitor who tells her that she will be the mother of the promised Messiah. When she hears this, what's her response? She says, may it be to me as you have said. And that yes leads to the birth of our Savior, which opens up the way to salvation and life for all of us. And what is common in every story is this willingness to follow or to obey or to surrender despite incomplete information. It's this leap into the unknown by faith, Abraham went, even though he did not know where he was going, the Bible says. But then this little passage in Hebrews says something really interesting that gives even more color, I think, to this idea of faith. The writer says, he lived as a stranger in a foreign country, and he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So it wasn't enough that Abraham heard God calling him to go to the promised land and he obeyed and went and then he, once he was in the promised land, settled down and made his home there and said, okay, this is it. God wanted me here. Here I am. What, what the text tells us is that once Abraham got to the place where God wanted him to go, he actually never settled in that place fully. He never built himself a city never even built himself a house. He lived in tents. His son lived in tents. His grandson lived in tents. 
They, they lived in a way so as they, they could always up and go again. Now, how do you read that? <laughs> I grew up camping. I still camp. I love camping. But I'm always glad to come home after I'm done camping. <laughs> but this was not Abraham's life. And what I hear the author saying and, and really pointing out to us and highlighting and kind of picking out of the Abraham story is that Abraham willingly left his home to go to a place that God had called him to, but once he got there, he was ready to hear the voice again. And if the voice would come to him again and say, go, he was ready to go. He just kind of stayed unsettled, interestingly. So if we're talking about our definition of faith, I might put it this way. That faith is not just moments of saying yes to God. That faith is a lifelong posture that we're invited into. And so maybe our definition might be this. Faith is a decision to say yes to God at any time. Any time. A few years ago, one of my younger brothers, Sean, and his wife, Allison, and their two kids, their kids were younger at the time, decided to make a radical change in their life. My brother let go of a, a pretty good job that he had in Ottawa at the time. They sold their house, almost all of their possessions, um, brought it all to my mom and dad, stored what they had left in their basement, and then they went on this adventure. And they first went to Malaysia, and they lived in Malaysia, for a bunch of months, and then they ended up on an extensive trip going through Europe and then, and then to China, where their two children were adopted from. And as a family, we're, we're kind of taken aback by this. This is a pretty big decision, although it wasn't, kind of a, wasn't really a surprise coming from them in a lot of ways, but it seemed pretty, pretty crazy, especially to my parents. <laughs> and it was the first time that we'd heard the phrase, location independent. They were living their life location independent. So it's this kind of this huge leap. We're going to go and we're just going to kind of see where life takes us. And there's a sense in which I, I read this text and I hear God inviting us, spiritually speaking, into a life of location independence. Now I recognize and I acknowledge that for many people in the world, they have no choice about where they live. And we're living in a time when more people have been displaced from their homes than in any other time in human history. So I'm, I'm sensitive to that. But I, I think whether it's by choice or not by choice, that this should remind us that our world is not our home. Our home is not our home. I think we're meant to take the place where we are seriously. The land of Canaan that God calls Abraham to is very important, and it's important throughout the story of the, God's people throughout the, uh, the Bible, Old Testament and New, but it, it is not their final destination. Abraham, the text says, was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. 
And we don't know how he knew this, but somehow he knew that even though God was calling him to this particular place, he knew that one day, somehow, someway, he would not stay here. His descendants would not stay here. That God was building for him and for his people another place that would be his final home. He didn't know that yet, but the Bible would later on call this the New Jerusalem, the city with foundations. And the same is true for us. And it's true for our lives. And so there's a posture here that I think is really important, this readiness to say yes. Holding on to our present circumstances loosely. Knowing or even expecting or maybe even hoping that somehow in some way God may change things for us. Now, I think I'm clear on the fact that this posture does not necessarily mean a physical move. It can mean different things for each of us. Well, maybe it is a physical move. I work with Resonate, and and one of the things that we're privileged to be able to do is help people who have a call to international mission or to church planting or some other uh, professional call of mission to find a place where they can serve and to use their gifts well. So for some people, it may be a physical move to another place, whether it's for the sake of directly of mission or for some other cause, but not necessarily. I said it was in El Salvador for the past week, and on our first day, that was a week ago Friday, we had a privilege of, of going to a church in a neighborhood or borough of, of San Salvador, and we met a pastor named Pastor Nelson, and he told us a story. We sat in his building, and, and he told us the story of his church. And his story was is that when he was young, he had been involved a little bit in, in, in some of the infamous gangs that are part of the El Salvadorian story, but um, God met him in his life, and he became a serious Christian, and then felt called into ministry, and then ended up in this church, kind of a typical church in El Salvador. But as he was serving in that church, it turned out that as kind of the, the gang situation in El Salvador got worse and worse, his church was right at the boundary line between the two most vicious gangs in El Salvador, the 18th Street Gang and uh, MS-13. And so there were always vicious battles going on, deaths all around the neighborhood all the time. The people in his church were afraid for their lives and and were moving away from that, and so his, his church, as it was, essentially emptied out. But then he had a a couple of encounters with some gang members, a particular one who was extremely influential, who became a Christian while in prison. And coming out of prison, he had nowhere to go, and he met met Pastor Nelson, and so Pastor Nelson took him in, and he could live in the church building, and that that started this journey where it became a ministry, actually, to ex-gang members. And and so these ex-gam members got associated with the church, would worship at the church. Some of them who had no homes moved into the church. And they needed an income, so they started a bakery out of that church building where they would just deliver bread every day throughout the city. And, and, the, and this became this really powerful ministry in the midst of incredible violence. It was so incredible that the BBC got hold of this story, CNN, The Guardian, and all kinds of profiles. They're still online. You can see all these profiles of this incredible ministry to ex-gang members in the midst of 
El Salvador. And then, um, not too long ago, uh, a new president came to power in El Salvador, and he, he got, became president, he was voted in on a campaign of ridding the country of, of the gangs, and he was serious about it. So just under a year ago, it'll be a year in March, uh, he instituted martial law uh, throughout El Salvador, empowered the police and the army to go in uh, without any provocation to arrest anyone who they thought was a gang member, anyone who they thought was associated with a gang, anyone who they thought was abetting or helping gangs. And so in the past year, tens of thousands of young men have been arrested. And when they're arrested, uh, no one knows where they're going. They can't contact family members. They get no rights to legal access to defend themselves. And so there's just been this sweep of arrests that have gone through the country, innocent, guilty, all brought in together, and they've all disappeared into the prison system. Including all the members of Pastor Nelson's church. So his church is now empty. We met one of the gang members that is still left, kind of hiding there. He, he doesn't have all the tattoos, and he's a bit older, so he's been able to, I think, escape this to this point. And you hear this story, and you read it in light of what we're reading in the scripture, and, and what a profound, profound picture of someone who at one point said, yes to God, I will serve you in ministry, and I will serve you in this place. And then God has said, okay, I'm going to serve you in this chapter. And now I'm going to turn it upside down and I'm calling you to serve in this chapter. And then I'm going to turn it upside down again and I'm going to call you to serve in this chapter. Will you keep saying yes to me? And we, we were sitting in the presence of such tremendous faithfulness to God, of someone who just said over and over and over again to God, yes. And now their ministry is to the girlfriends and the wives and the children of these gang members who've lost their fathers. One of our missionaries there, partner missionary Roland Vandenberg, we had a great conversation and we were reflecting all this. And he said, what's really interesting to me is I serve in El Salvador and then I go back home to my churches in Canada is what really strikes me is how full of fear the church in the West is. How much fear has gripped our churches and it's resulted in us getting all anxious about things and all kinds of polarized conversations and we're, as it's if the church in the West is just kind of trying to hang on, hang on, hang on to where, we at, where we're at, to, to not let go of the home that we're in right now. And he said it's just so striking that the church in the West is in this place of fear of saying yes to God and just following just kind of, we're protecting our assets, protecting our lives, hanging on to, to everything that we have in terms of this place, this home, this life. He said, imagine, imagine if the church in the West could learn from the global church of what it means just simply to say 
okay, I trust you, I see you, and I will follow you. I say yes. The thing about faith, even as it's, as it's reflected in this chapter, is that it's not, even though Abraham doesn't know where he's going, it's not, a, it's not like a shot in the dark either. There's real clues in this text that it is a good decision to follow God and to say yes to God. That this faith that we're invited into to trust God and, and trust that he's going to lead us well, is, it's rooted in the promises and the character and the actions of God. So if we're wondering how we can find this kind of faith, the text kind of tells us that. And so we're just reminded that as God calls us and invites us to follow him, God is, God is saying, look, I'm, gonna, I'm making some big promises for you. And I so just invite you to live into those promises. And so Abraham, as he goes, he, he doesn't know where he's going, but he has this sense that the ultimate destination is this city with foundations, that God has a bigger plan and purpose for him. And so wherever the journey goes to get there, God's saying, I'll get you there. So there's promises. There's a sense in which the character of God shines through in all of this. I think of the way that Sarah is characterized in this text where it says she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And if you know the story of Sarah in Genesis, <clears throat> the visitors come to her and say, you're gonna, <laughs> to Abraham and her and say, you're going to have, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. And what's Abraham, Sarah's response to that when she hears it? She laughs. She's like, we're old. <laughs> we couldn't have children before. How can we have children now? But none of that is reflected here in Hebrews. All the writer in Hebrews says is she considered him faithful. There's some way in which she looked back on the way that God had led them in their past and brought them to this point and said, if God has brought us this far, he'll keep bringing us into the future. She considered him faithful. The character of God is something that she leans on. And then there's the actions of God. And the text ends with these words from, from this one man, and he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sand on the seashore. We're able to look at what God has done and then trust if God has been doing good things all the way through history, he'll keep doing good things now, including in my own life. And so as we begin this season of Lent, we're invited to enter back into the story which reminds us of God as a promise-making and promise-keeping God. We're reminded of the character of God that is shaped by his love for this broken world, that God is faithful, and we're reminded of the actions of God rooted in Jesus, that in Jesus, all God's promises are filled. In Jesus, we see the character of God in his heart, and in Jesus, we see the actions of God ultimately shown for us on the cross, and as we anticipate Easter in the empty tomb. And so in these coming weeks, you're going to be invited to live into all of that. In my own life, I've gone through some incredible changes, especially in the past six years, all by living in the same house where, I'm, where I am now, longer than I've lived anywhere in my own, whole life. And if I look back on my story, it goes all the way back to the start of my ministry where someone kind of said a prophetic word over me that I didn't understand and I've been trying to unpack all the way through my journey. 
but I really thought that I'd be serving pastoral ministry my whole life because it's what I love. I didn't know how many churches, where those churches would be, but I just thought that that would be my journey. And then six years ago, my good friend Adrian, who served with Home Missions, developed cancer. And while we were, I was visiting with him regularly in the hospital, he said to me, Kevin, I don't know what God's plan is for me, but I know this, that I think my time with Home Missions is done, and I think you should apply for my job. And, and like Sarah, I laughed and said, no, that's a nice thought, Adrian. And, and then he passed away, and then I didn't apply, and then it came around again, and so after some conversation I did, and I ended up out of pastoral ministry, which I didn't expect, and serving the region with what became Resonate. And then that turned into more change and then more change and more change. And now um, I remember <laughs> Zach King was our former director. I remember sitting at tables with him and thinking, man, I'm so glad he has that job and I don't because I would never want it. <laughs> and, and here I'm invited to be a leader in a denomination that's full of tension and uncertainty. But I have to trust that in my story, uh, I'm called to say yes. I don't know, I don't know what your story is. There may be actually a few people here this morning listening online who are actually in a season right now of wondering what God is up to. And it may be that this thing, very specific thing that you're wrestling with, God is inviting you to say yes. And you just need to hear a word of encouragement. And if, if that's you, I hope that you're able to trust the promises and the character and the actions of God enough to know that you'll be okay and you can take that leap. But I would think that for all of us, in a more general way, it's really helpful to hear regularly this invitation, a very simple one, to really do an evaluation of our own life, to kind of look at how rooted have we become, how much, how attached have we become to our current circumstances, how much we've made our current home our home, so to speak, whether physically or metaphorically, how, how comfortable we've come with our own circumstances, and in the season of Lent, there's an invitation for us to really look at our own heart and to hear Jesus invite us to say, come and follow me. And there's an invitation for us once again to say yes to God. I don't know what that is. I don't know when that might be. I don't know what that will look like, but I'm ready. Spiritually speaking, I'm going to refuse to live in a brick house. I'm going to live in a tent. <laughs> and if you want me to go up and go, I will up and go. If you want me to stay, I'll stay. But whatever it is, God, I say yes.
So I just invite you to stand with me for a moment and as we prepare to go to communion, um, why don't you stand? And I don't do altar calls, but (laughs) maybe this is a little bit of an altar call at the start of Lent. A little bit of an invitation. And if you're comfortable, you can close your eyes and just open your hands if you want. And as we've considered the story of Abraham um, and the invitation to follow in faith, uh, may we see this as a moment of surrender for us to say yes to God. Will you pray with me? And so God, here we stand before you. You see us, you know us, you love us. And you invite us into a flourishing life with you. But the only way that we can flourish is if we're willing to let go of some things, not the least of which is our sense of security, our need to stay put in this place, our need to control our own life and our own destiny. God, will you help us to let go of all of that, to be a people who live in tents, who don't consider this world our final destiny, But with Abraham, we look forward to that city with foundations, that city whose architect and builder is you. And that in the meantime, you invite us to follow you and to live and to move and to be in those places where you call us to serve you and bear witness to your goodness and love. And so God, hear our yes to you this morning. Receive our prayer of surrender. We love you. And we want to follow you. Amen.